0: Good evening everyone it's necro thursday how's everyone doing and how are you doing mike i am well uh enjoying this uh beautiful summer
1: early summer sunday uh recording this on june 19th um but then it just really dawned on me that although it feels like a sunday we're recording this on monday michael yeah yeah we are do you have the day off or something like that <laughs> like, uh, yes i did that's why i thought for a minute we were recording it on a sunday i was off today for the of course juneteenth holiday um and yeah today just kind of felt like a sunday me me and stella went out for some food and stuff and and uh you know park
0: slope area and uh it felt like a like a double sunday in a way i guess yeah i'm surprised that uh i didn't have the day off either because um yeah, you know, i work for a pretty even though i work in a very conservative industry my com- mm-hmm. my company is actually pretty progressive yeah i mean i think it was two years ago they made
1: juneteenth like like a national holiday so i mean i, I believe everybody should have the day off, yeah. <laughs> hopefully um but yeah it was cool uh yesterday which was sunday listeners uh Stella and i went to see uh biohazard mike the old uh, biohazard reunion at Irving Plaza wow how was that it was cool man I mean they they did Friday with uh King 9 and indecision and then yesterday Sunday was with a bunch of bands uh sheer terror Sub-Zero sworn enemy uh it was it was cool um it's just I don't know though so uh, observation like you hear those songs you know and it kind of just brings you back to that kind of time and place you know but I think ultimately like I was never like a super fan like I I liked them when I was very young like about 15 16 you know like the demo and like the first album and then I think I kind of like fell off on them for a bit but when you see them live it's like oh yeah like this is why this band was huge you know like they, they they have that certain something you know um and it kind of like brought
0: me back to like you know 92 93 yeah they were never like a band i put their records on but when i I would catch them i've seen them live a handful of times and uh it's always been a very intense live show they're great they're a live band you know what i'm trying to say yeah no that's what
1: i'm getting at they are a live band um not that the records aren't good or or aren't recorded whatever well or anything like that i just think that you, you kind of get the whole real picture of it when you when you see them play live, and and it looks like they're they're sticking around. So uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, listeners, if you get the chance to see them, uh, I would go see them. They're doing a, I think a European tour this summer, but uh, it seems like they'll they will have more gigs in America uh, this year, which would be nice.
0: Europe is going to be massive for them because I I feel wow. like Europeans really dig Biohazard.
1: Oh yeah, I mean.
0: Look for for a lot of New
1: York bands or bands out of like the New York hardcore scene. I mean, Europe is is, is like your career, you know. I mean, you, you you sell more records there, you play to more people there, and it's it's a very important uh, piece of the puzzle, you know.
0: And there's also the summer fest uh, festival circuit where you can make a lot of cash too.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, play in front of about I don't know four hundred thousand people or whatever, and you know, it's uh it's 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 cool. I mean, look. America's great and America of course has a thriving hardcore and metal scene but America doesn't have a thriving festival scene not really like, no. like we have D F, and
0: we have there, there are festivals but it's not it's not what it is in Europe Wouldn't you agree absolutely man cuz like in Europe they take the entire summer off in most most cases and like that's what people do is they go to festivals and there's like there's metal fest but there's also like multi genre like cultural mm. like like, for example, Roskilde Fest in uh, Denmark mm-hmm. is, um, like, we played that in the, a few years ago, and it was like, you know, uh, Paul McCartney was the headliner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? And, like, you know, other, like Lamb of God, there's tons of metal bands that played, but, you know, Mickey Minaj played, uh, Paul McCartney, <laughs> you know, and it was like. Yeah. A, a, wild shit. Wild. I mean. Yeah.
1: It, it's funny you said they, they take almost the summer off. They definitely take August off and like Stella reminded me of that how in Europe like good luck reaching certain people in the month of August because that's like a really big vacation month you know um and and there's definitely festivals in August as well but in America it's like (laughs) we're happy if our our company gives us a day off like it's it's just so absurd or you have to like you know toil and sweat and kill yourself for
0: for 5 work days off,
1: you know. It's it's just, you know, it is
0: what it is here. No, the culture. It is, man, and and that's and that's what that's what I love about Europe, man. Like going over there in the summer and, you know, fucking it's just fun. It's like we never did like, you know, two weeks of festival dates, but we've gone over there and done a handful of them and Never Voking, mm-hmm. which is like the dream for everybody, but you know, it's great. The fest the fest scene in Europe is great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh just wanted to say real quick, um thank you for all the the good feedback on our body double episode next week uh last week uh which seems to have gone
0: over pretty well huh mike yeah that was a fun one and um you know some of uh some of our upcoming voicemails address that and uh yeah i'm interested mm. in that but before we get into that let's let's talk about our our uh, our brothers in uh, the other shows you know yes
1: the the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse
0: uh, why don't you kick off monday mike on well, Monday, coming at you, we have Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf 666. Another horror podcast, but he focuses on interviews. And you can hear mm-hmm. him talk to filmmakers, actors, sometimes one of us,
1: you know? That's
0: right. Yeah. That's right. But it's quality, uh, quality. Definitely quality. Quality show. Cheers to you, Brandon.
1: Uh, on Tuesday, we have our very own Jackie Smith hosting one of the greatest metal podcasts in the land with into the necrosphere
0: i always thought that was a cool name into the necrosphere no, yeah, no great definitely. name excellent name and, and strong my, name. my favorite actually and uh you know sometimes i do i do listen to the heavy hole podcast here and there mm-hmm. oh i gotta check that one that's a good one yeah especially if you live in a tri-state area it's very very new york new jersey centric sort of thing happy hole okay they do a lot of like black and death metal and stuff like that or yeah most a lot of mostly death metal because it's will from uh reeking aura is um, uh is the main he's one of the main guys there and they they talk about a lot of death metal they have had some long island black metal you know obscure long island black metal episodes like things like that
1: hmm
0: i will check that out uh on wednesday what do we got michael well, that's everything went black, which is my long-running podcast project. That uh, it's pretty much all over the the spectrum what you can hear on there. You know, it's yeah, uh, a lot of different things.
1: Be sure to check out the episode that I was on uh, the other week talking about uh, my confusion project. Uh, and just so you all know, uh, this Friday, June twenty third, our discography, Storm in the Walls, nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety four, comes out on all digital platforms so be sure you add it to your your spotify or your apple or whatnot and uh yes don't forget friday the 23rd confusion uh on thursday while you're listening to it right now the necromaniacs podcast the greatest horror podcast in the world
0: right mike One of them. Definitely. You know, definitely one of my (laughs) my favorites. So it's not just because I'm one of the hosts, you know, I, I just like to say it's the best. I won't (laughs) even say it's one
1: of, it's just, it's just the best. Uh, on Friday, uh, my brother from my mother, uh, Mr. John Draper, uh, hosting the excellent break the apocalypse podcast. Please make sure you check out that show. Fun show, fun show, friends of the show. Uh, saturday you got the day off uh go out it's summertime you know uh go to the beach go to the pool read a book sit under a tree but on sunday make sure you come right back here to the podcasting universe to check out none other than our friend carl Haikara's soul Knox podcast
0: yeah carl's been really stepping it up with his guests lately and um if anyone has any interest in like the occult or like you know any kind of esoteric ideas like definitely check that out it's a great one awesome uh i
1: wanted to say uh on the last episode the body double episode i talked about some uh some blu-rays i got um but there was one one i got this week which uh severin released i believe it was earlier this year very late last year to uh j- just a very limited release of course of four flies on gray velvet from darry argento uh in like a four-disc set, basically with a slipcase and you know 4K and a Blu-ray and then an extra Blu-ray and a you know CD soundtrack. See, I didn't you know keep my eye you know on the ball when it came out because I was like, oh well, you know that'll stay in stock. That they'll have that. Well, it did not stay in stock. It completely sold out and it has kind of gone forever. But I did manage to score. A copy on eBay, like a sealed copy. I probably paid a little too much for it because it was obviously more money than when Severin was selling it, but I'm very happy to have Four Flies on Blu ray. Did you also miss that window, Mr. Hill, or did you grab
0: Four Flies? I I missed the window, man. Uh, Yeah. I've been, been, uh, you know, moving and unpacking and dealing with a lot of stuff right now. So I kind of missed it.
1: Yeah. This was, oh man, I, I'm trying to remember what month in 2023 it was when they actually put it on sale. But uh, yeah, they, they they stayed true to their word about it being limited, which kind of sucks because I don't think any Argento movie should be this limited. Uh, and maybe perhaps it'll come out as like a standalone Blu-ray without the bells and whistles. But uh, I'm very happy to have this. Um, of, of like the original trilogy, this is like kind of the least seen movie in... in One could argue it's one of his least seen films ever just due to like the kind of the the American rights and and like the home video rights. But, yeah, I can't wait to to dive into this bad boy.
0: Well, we talked a little bit about the voicemail. So the necrophone. So if you want Mm -hmm. to call us and leave a message and, you know, make recommendations for movies, uh, basically whatever you want, we'll most likely play you. On the uh, on the show, so of course yes, that, that number is nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two that's nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two and we got a I got three guys calling this last week
2: mm-hmm.
0: so first off, we got Stuart
2: hey guys this is uh Stuart out in the Bay Area calling in again. I just listened to the body double episode they liked it love that movie. That's one I saw relatively later. I think I watched it during the pandemic. I may have seen it before, but you know, I forgot. Probably forgot about it. Um, a couple other De Palma movies that I've enjoyed. Uh, one is kind of like a musical. It's called Phantom of the Paradise. And it actually has Jessica Harper in it, who was Susie Bannon and Dario Argento's Suspiria. It's also, got, it's also got, I forgot his name, but he's He's in one of of my favorite uh, good, bad horror movies, Chud 2, Bud the Chud. He plays this guy called Beef, which is kind of like, I don't know, maybe like a spoof on meatloaf or something, but uh, that one's pretty cool. It involves like a Faustian bargain, a deal with the devil. Um, Also, I really like the De Palma movie Sisters. I don't know if you've seen that. That has uh, Margot Kidder in it. Uh, That's an older one. haven't seen that one in a while, but, um, also the Craig Watson, the actor, he was in a movie called a uh, ghost story from 1981. Uh, I watched that during the pandemic too. I think I bought the blu-ray from a screen factory, but that has like, um, uh, Fred Astaire's in it. Douglas Fairbanks jr. Melvin Douglas, John Houseman, like all these old, old guys. It's kind of a, it's okay. It's kind of it's worth watching. It's kind of a fun ghost story. Well, I wouldn't say fun, but it's a it's a ghost story, which is why it's called ghost story, I guess. Anyways. Um I did want to uh, mention that I I forgot to mention this last time. I did uh I li- listened to the Found uh episode and I did kind of agree with your synopsis about that film. Um I uh, watched that during the pandemic too after reading about it and uh yeah, that was a grim experience. The ending kind of stuck with me, too. I was, like, walking around the next few days doing whatever, just like, man, that was fucked up. You know, but I'll uh, I, i, I I'll never watch that one again. That was <laughs> – I agree with your rating on that one. Um, haven't really uh, been checking much out. Uh, finally watched Bones and All. I really loved that movie. Uh, watched a few older movies with George C. Scott. Uh, not horror related, uh, even though I love him in uh, The Changeling and The Exorcist 3, but I watched uh, The Hospital on Tubi, and uh, The Last Run I rented on Amazon Prime, both of those are pretty cool, I I, I love that guy, he's a really good actor. Okay. Alright, so uh, uh,
0: Stuart dug the body double episode, it seems like that's kind of um, been the general consensus. <laughs> Were you surprised by that at all, Mike? You
1: know what? I kind of was a little surprised by it because I feel like um, the giallo stuff, the thriller stuff, the stuff that's not essentially 100% horror, you kind of never know what you're going to get with the response. But I, I think I'm happy to share that our listeners like that kind of stuff. So I can maybe maybe make that blanket statement that our our listeners maybe – uh want that and uh which is a good thing because I, I we definitely want to give you more of what you want uh but you know what though i mean honestly i one would be hard pressed to not enjoy that movie i feel like i don't know no
0: yeah and, and you know i acknowledge that it is a little bit of a reach to put it on a horror podcast but mm-hmm. you know philosophically spiritually that that movie definitely fits in with the necromaniacs uh canon you know
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, it seems like a a lot of people enjoyed the episode, and we got some good feedback, and um, yeah, man, De Palma, you know, obviously he's getting up there in age. Uh, He has not retired as far as I know, but uh, if he wants to plunk down another
0: final thriller, I'll be there to see it, no? Also, I was just messaging with my buddy Scott Hall from Pig Destroyer about Ghost Story, so that's something uh, I've never seen that movie, believe it or not. From 1981 and uh i am making it my business to watch that movie later this week yeah we we should probably maybe cover
1: it i actually re-watched it about two years ago it's a great winter horror movie michael yeah, yeah. um but it is it is a very solid early 80s uh jam uh it's you know it's like those early 80s ones that could probably also have been in the late 70s it's kind of like that vibe if that helps um but no, really good movie. So listeners, don't be surprised if we we, we pop that out at
0: some point. But uh, yes, ghost story. And of course, Stewart agreed with us on our assessment of Found, which is one of the most uh, vile uh, films I think I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a shower film. Uh, that's what I'll, I'll refer to it as. You will need a shower after done. But you know what? Like I said, I, I admired it for its um bravery perhaps it's it's you know it's wanting to go there in a time when maybe not every horror movie wants to go there
0: right Yeah I mean mm. I give it props, but it's't I don't, I don't think I need to watch that again No somewhat tempted to read that book somewhat tempted
1: I did not buy the book yet you know kind of kicking it around there's a bunch of other books I'd like to read but uh, yeah. Found was uh,
0: was an interesting flick. Next up, we got Cam.
2: Hey, Necromaniacs, Mike and Mike. Hope you guys are well. Um, this is Cam calling from uh, Washington D.C. I watched a couple of movies on Shutter this week. I don't know if you guys have seen them. Uh, Kids versus Aliens, um, Influencer, which I thought was a pretty cool uh, modern take on like a horror thriller um brooklyn 45 which i thought was pretty cool had like a strong uh stage type of feel to it i could see it being a play um and flat face which you know was a little, was a little goofy at times but you hang in there it has a pretty cool twist at the end
0: um let me know if you guys now cam is a personal friend of mine uh, appreciate the show. Oh, okay the <laughs> yeah we we've been in touch a lot and uh cam gave me um a trim, a haircut, and a little bit of a hair styling down in Baltimore. Oh, wow,
1: look at that!
0: Yeah, when, all right. We played uh, Hell in the Harbor. He came out. He brought his entire. He's a, he's a, a pro, man. Like that's what he does for a living. And uh, brought his gear with him. We set up, and uh, you know, the there was no green room in this place we played at. So in some utility mm. closet, we he uh, gave me a haircut and styled my hair. That's nice. I am a baldy cam, so my haircut would be very
1: easy uh it would it would involve very little work uh however every time i do go to get like a beard trim or a mustache trim i refer to it as going to get a haircut michael just yeah. so you know hey, yes
0: I, I used to also <laughs> i used to sport the crew cut but lately uh the last year or so i've been growing out my hair and uh you know experimenting with different things so you know different looks and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean if you still have hair by all means grow your hair yes yes nice. <laughs> one of the things that uh cam mentioned was brooklyn 45 which is no- another movie that's on my hit list i hear so much about it it's got larry fessenden in, in it and it's um mm. kind of more like a. it has a play vibe according to cam and it's uh, sounds like there's a lot of dialogue which is the kind of thing that i like now what year is that from apparently it's brand new oh okay i was gonna say i was like larry
1: fessenden brooklyn 45 i'm like I mean, I feel like I try to stay up on his shit. So if it's like new, new, then uh, yeah, I I, I want to see it.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of people have been talking about it. And, um, you know, and this, it, this is an, again, it comes up and it's on, it's on shutter. So there's no reason not to watch it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I've been watching a bunch of older Fair as of late. So
1: it would be nice to see something new. Mm.
0: And Mike from Telford is back. Yes. I'm glad to hear that. Now Mike, do me a favor, man. Let us let us play your your message cuz it's like <laughs> I, I love hearing you, dude. I love hearing from you. I look forward to your voicemails and I like what you have to say all the time and I would like to share that with everyone instead of forcing us to like uh, you know, summarize like what you Yeah, we got to do
1: summarizations. I mean, you know, it can be a very quick one that that you want, you know, that we can play or or however long or short you want it. But,
0: yeah, it would be nice to play it. So uh, Mike was also another uh, appreciator of Body Double, even though he does not like Brian De Palma. Yes, I got a kick out of him, uh, his his seemingly, um,
1: you know, distaste of De Palma. <laughs> because I, I don't know if I've ever even come across someone say they don't like his movies. And it, I, I say that with certainty. Actually. It almost felt so, like
0: he was a little mad at us for forcing, yes, him, forcing like, him to watch it. <laughs> hmm,
1: maybe him and De Palma had some arguments back in the day. I don't know. It's It almost seemed that
0: way. Yes. And and Mike also put out uh, a conspiracy theory that De Palma had seen Tenebrae. You know what? Look, it, it, it is
1: possible that he saw it, especially – if he was uh, as, as another listener or perhaps it was mike said on instagram if he was on the festival circuit uh back in the you know late 70s early 80s or did con uh, all those movies played those festivals and i you know i it wouldn't surprise me if people like the palma and like that you know the, that early crew of, of filmmakers that was emerging uh in america in the 70s or maybe even scorsese like it wouldn't surprise me if they checked out some Italian
0: films no? or Italian thrillers. That would, that would be cool in a QA with the audience if, if someone asked him like have you did you see Tenebrae before you uh, made <laughs> Cuz that would have been honestly the only way because
1: as we we stressed in in the episode it wasn't in America till several years later under a different title, the title being Unsane. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, from what I understand, Tenebrae screened as is, uh, in the festival circuits in Europe. So
0: interesting. Hmm. And, uh, just real quick. So he appreciated the nightlands episode. They went with or, uh, quality control manager. And, uh, mm-hmm. yes, Andrew, and Andrew Lehman was there and he read the, uh, the Dunwich horror, the HP love. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And, uh, also another vote for us to, to do Alucarda
1: yeah yeah uh it's funny i i had the actual dvd of that like it was like the red case dvd yep. and then i did this whole thing of movies where i sold a bunch of my dvds because i knew i was going to get the blu-rays and that movie it, i did not get the blu-ray and i'm not sure what its current blu-ray status is it might be out of print but it might not be but uh that is something we should definitely cover
0: I also at one time had that. I don't know if I still have it in my collection though. Cause I, I also either lost some stuff or gave away some things or loaned things to people who never returned them, you know, that kind of mm, thing. So that, I think yeah. that one, that one was in that. That's the fate. That happens. That one, yeah. Yeah. So thanks a lot guys. Yeah. We, I love getting these emails. They're cool. I um, look forward to hearing from you guys every week and uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. And uh
1: Again, if you don't want it mentioned on the air, obviously say that at the top of the call. But if you make no mention, that means you're going on the air. That's,
0: that's <laughs> right. That's right.
1: Exactly. Uh, but listeners, uh, tonight we're going back to the 70s after last week's episode spent in the lovely 80s. Uh, and we will be covering the 1976 classic from director Dan Curtis, Burnt, offerings right michael
0: now coincidentally this movie was recommended recommended to us by stewart huh. yeah. see stewart you're getting your way here man you are getting your way
1: uh but you know what though hey if you if you offer up a film hint, hint offer up uh that we enjoy or that was something that was kind of you know permeating in our heads whatever then Hey man, it could it could very well be the next movie on the show, right, Mike?
0: Yeah, I mean we have we have a pretty nice list of stuff that we haven't covered. Like there's a bunch of those Mexican films, and um, mm-hmm. you know that stuff is definitely we'll we'll get most likely get around to most of it because a lot of quality recommendations have been coming from you guys. Yeah, now burnt offerings is a movie
1: that I had seen. Wow, maybe maybe 20 years ago, maybe even a little longer than that. Uh, but had not done any re-watches until
0: this very recent re-watch for the show. What about you, Mike? I saw this when I was a kid, so yeah, it was quite a while ago. And uh, back mm-hmm. in the '80s, I saw this movie, and um, yeah, but I hadn't seen it since we discussed ta- uh, doing it on the show. So yeah, it's been a while for me. Well, it clicks a lot of boxes. Uh,
1: number one, it's got it's it's a Dan Curtis uh, movie. Uh, I'll see anything with his name on it. I like Dark Shadows, you know, Colchak the Night Stalker film. Uh, so that's one box. Uh, number two, it is a summer horror film, Michael. So that is uh, yet another box. It, you You think it's an autumn horror film, probably, but no, this is a summer horror movie, which you... As you watch it, you you will obviously grasp that within the first 10 minutes of the movie. uh, It's got one of our favorite guys ever in it, Mr. Alva Reed, right, Michael?
0: Incredible.
1: Um, and yet, a, a fourth box for me, it's got Karen Black in it. So, I mean, come on. H- how could you not want to see this movie? Um, When you go a little deeper, why, it has Mickey himself, Burgess Meredith, and Digger... a little deeper than that it has the legendary betty davis i mean amazing cast no really
0: great cast and they're all acting their asses off in this too
1: (laughs) yes they everyone's taking it very seriously uh a lot of scenery chewing would you would you agree
0: and and you know burgess meredith is not in that much but he's presence is felt in this film like he really makes an impact on you you know I mean, yeah I, that he's, in. Mm-hmm. he's creepy <laughs> um you don't
1: really know like you're wondering what is up with him and his sister like it's uh 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 eileen uh, heckard it's like you know it's just i don't know there's just so much to to kind of dig in on this one honestly uh just kind of wanted to you know mention like reasons you should check it out at just face value no yeah definitely and and um
0: it, it it's very, the atmosphere in this is also pretty awesome
1: yeah and look i'm a sucker for 70s horror this is from 1976 um i i have often referred to the 70s as horror's greatest decade and i don't know it's it's movies like this that kind of reinforce it for me personally while some may not think this movie is so amazing i don't know for me it's just one of those really kind
0: of like it's got a special place in my heart kind of movies mike yeah no definitely this is uh you know and and this is on tubi too so you can watch it for free basically yeah you can watch it for
1: free um i'm considering the kino lorber blu-ray which is available actually but uh yeah currently it is for free for people who have streaming services uh, a little more about the film as i said written by dan curtis directed by dan curtis uh based on a book which that i did not know um by robert marasco uh this movie was filmed in 75 released in 76. the book is from 73. Wow. uh release date august 25th 1976 116 minute running time now for uh, 76 money it had a 2 million budget which is no small chunk of change honestly for then uh but it did not set the box office on fire uh it was only 1.5 million at the box office and honestly like a lot of you know movies that go on to be classics uh it was kind of panned quite a bit uh in its initial run um honestly again it's it's got that kind of american gothic vibe too right mike
0: those are the words i was just about to say absolutely <laughs> yep. american gothic
1: american gothic exactly um another thing listeners of note is if you're watching this for the first time or, or if you're reading about it uh the parallels to the shining are quite profound michael in my opinion um and one could argue that Stephen King might have definitely been somewhat inspired by the Robert Morasco book which came out two years before he began writing The Shining Stephen King began writing The Shining I believe in 75 this book was a hit actually which is why this movie was made um in like 72 73 so Interesting. There are similarities. Uh, it is not the same. There's this, some big differences, but definite
0: shining vibes for me. What about you, Mike? I was thinking the same thing. Um, you know, it's not as uh, sprawling as The Shining, and it doesn't have that. It's it's a different sort of vibe in general because the Shining has like a very cold feel because it's in the winter. Mm-hmm. claustrophobic isolated there's definitely an isolation vibe going on in this but it's like you mentioned earlier it's in the summer they're like you know walking around bathing suits and you know going to the pool right things like that exactly and
1: again i think this is largely it, its own thing but it, it's the the similarities is a family goes to a house they have one son just like you know danny is the one son in the shining Uh, the main character in this, uh, played by Oliver Reed, Ben is a surprise, surprise writer, just like Mr. Torrance is in the shining. Uh, it is a, you know, there are other similarities. It's a supernatural horror film, supernatural novel, just like the King movie and the, you know, the Kubrick movie and the King book. Um, but again, it definitely veers off into different places, uh, birth offerings. And Stephen King's book is way more epic and has five other parts to it. You know what I'm saying? That there's there's way more going on in the King book, straight up. No.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean there you know, Stephen King always writes layers and layers and layers of of plot, mm-hmm. you know, and characters and he gets really deep into it. You know, this is
1: a little bit more
0: streamlined as of a narrative, yeah. for sure.
1: And having having seen you know the movie of course and enjoyed the movie, uh, being made aware of the book, I would love to read this book actually, and I think I am going to because apparently there's a whole host of differences in both the beginning and ending. So yeah, I, I definitely want to check this book out by Robert Morasco. Um, you know, look, m- my overall f- first impressions of this is like it's 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 my thing it's fucking 70s it's creepy it's got a house it's got fucking a great cast so you know the fanboyisms may shine through tonight michael oh yeah totally yeah <laughs> uh i want to talk a bit more about the overall plot
0: yeah so the family of uh marion ben and uh their son david um, davy, davy. They arrive at this uh, pretty shabby uh, house. And, uh, you know, that also lends to the gothic vibe of it because it just has that, you know, 19th century mansion look to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they even comment about how run down it is. But the to rent the mansion for the summer was for the, the entire summer was only
1: $900. Yes. Uh, when they get to the house, they're greeted by these elderly, elderly siblings, Arnold and Rosalind Allardyce. Uh, it's, you know, referred to as the, the Allardyce home and they're like, yeah, it can be yours for just 900 bucks, which I think at first, uh, what he called, uh, Ben thinks means a month. And then they go for the whole summer. Right. Cause he's like, right away. He's like $900. I can't afford that. And then they go, you know, for the whole summer. It's like, oh shit. You know, who could pass that up? But there's a, by the um, way though,
0: there's a, by the way, <laughs> Oh yeah, no. a by the way, share the, by the way. So there's an elderly mother, they claim she's uh, 85, but looks up 60. Mm. And uh, she's going to live there in the upstairs apartment suite for the remainder of the summer. The only thing that she requires is that she gets her meals while they're there. So they have to leave the meals on the outside of the door for her to, that's it. That's the only thing. Mm. She's obsessed with being a private life. She doesn't want to see anybody.
1: Yeah, and as what he called Burgess Meredith and uh, I believe actress Eileen Heckart are relaying all this information, could they be any more creeper in relaying all this information? I mean, really, like they're just the way their 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 inflections in their voice, the things they're saying, their mannerisms.
0: It's like you know. But also, what just the fact that all right, we're gonna rent this house and you know for cheap, right? Right then and there, it would make me think that there's something wrong with it, you know, and uh, mm. oh, yeah. And then there's this old woman who lives in the attic that oh, you, we're not going to see her. She keeps her door locked and you just got to put a lever tray of food out every day. You the know? thing is, uh, Karen Black's character, Marion Ruff, uh, R-
1: Rolf, Rolf, uh, Oliver Reed's wife, she's totally fine with all this. Like yeah. she's totally on board. I mean, it's such a good price. It's, you know, beautiful house or it's kind of beautiful and, you know she's totally down and uh oliver reed like reluctantly is like okay uh there was this one scene where like they tell uh you know burgess meredith that they have a son and he's like oh really it's like so creepy (laughs) he's like he's his like you just need to see it listeners you just need to when you see it you know exactly what we're kind of getting at um it just it just screams run to me I don't know I would just run the fuck out of there if I'm that family
0: uh honestly <laughs> Davey's actually uh one of my favorite characters in the movie to be honest yeah he's uh he's one of the only
1: normal people in the film uh no <laughs> um yeah he's actually uh actor Lee Montgomery best known for his role in the movie Ben the uh about the pack of killer rats from 1972 um and then later on in life he's in a movie with sarah jessica parker girls just want to have fun about that uh as as a young man but
0: yeah uh he he's quite different from danny torrance right yeah he's not like this um introverted you know sort of uh Quiet kid. Davy's more outgoing. He has mechanical inclinations, like he fixes Mm -hmm. like the pump where they're um they're trying to like you know get the pool sorted out. And um, yeah, you know he's like like swimming. You know, Danny Danny Torrance is like definitely more of like an introvert. You know, yeah, Danny Torrance is almost
1: like a a bit of a mess from the get-go, probably due to the abuse at the hands of his father. But there's kind of none of that here uh, with the Davy character. He's also a bit older then Danny, which we have to, you know, make note of. He's he's like an older
0: kid, uh, preteen though, right? When you say, yeah, definitely, you know, probably like eleven or something like that, twelve. Right. You know, uh-huh. Oliver Reed on the other hand starts off, he looks like the kind of guy that would be abusive. You know what I mean? Like, there's something. <laughs> Oliver Reed looks like an abuser, just his face and his like demeanor and everything. You know, but he's not like uh, Jack Torrance, though, at least initially,
1: right initially is uh being the key word um but again a a bit of a shining parallel here as as the movie kind of plays on they get you know they arrive at the house july 1st they're they're moved in and you know things seem fairly normal except for that karen black's character is already very enamored with the house and very kind of like cleaning and like she's all into it and she's she's starting to look a little little kooky almost almost from the get. But uh Davey and his dad are are, are in the pool together, right? And uh, to me I got I, I I saw it as once, you know, Oliver Reed kinda hit the water, like something kinda came over him, right? Like this yeah. kind of like sinister vibe.
0: Pretty much from the beginning, the enchantment of the house on the parents start. I mean even even I I'll even venture to say that um, Karen Black's character just her enamorment of this shambling house this shabby pile <laughs> you know that's the price was definitely the, the clincher but mm-hmm. I feel like as soon as they walked in to the house the enchantment started with them yes and uh, of note can't forget in
1: tow with the family is Ben's elderly Aunt Elizabeth played by the legendary Betty Davis. Um again Betty Davis is 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 I don't know probably well into her 70s around the time of this movie and I guess towards the this is kind of late in her career and when she kind of
0: started doing kind of more weird fare, huh Mike? Definitely. This is something you you would see her in the 70s in films films like this though, you know? Yeah, I mean? exactly. Okay. It's almost like a it was almost like a thing with actresses who were really big say
1: in the 50 40s 50s 60s say right by the time we get into the 70s and 80s uh, a lot of these actors got you know act actors and actresses would get old and the, the the marquee roles would would dry up because of the culture of hollywood and they would take these kind of weird either exploitative sometimes movies or movies that were just very off the beaten path for their trajectory
0: like a horror film right yeah and there's actually uh, a whole thing about that like i remember listening to i forgot what podcast i was listening to but there was like a they almost considered a genre of films like horror films with these like uh elder actresses you know mm. yeah i mean betty davis
1: does stuff like you know whatever happened to baby jane hush hush sweet charlotte or offerings return to witch mountain she's she gets you know her dark period, Michael. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. But she's actually really great in this. Uh, She—it's almost like comedic, right? Like some some of her some of her lines. She kind of offers some 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 lightness in the film with, at times.
0: Yeah, she plays it loose, and in contrast to Oliver Reed and Karen Black, who play it very very heavy. You know? Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, I guess we could get to this at the end, but I almost feel like. Are, are are Karen Black and Oliver Reed playing this movie too
0: heavy at times um you know they have been they've been accused of uh <laughs> heavy heavy-handedness before I feel like in right. their in their in their right. work you know mhm but you kind and of expect I think that's that their though. their calling card it's yeah, like it's, a,
1: it's their calling card it's yeah. a, it's neither bad nor good right yeah, exactly it's, it's simply what you kind of want from them you know Um, you know, I, again, Alva Reed is, is, was like a notorious actor, Hellraiser. I mean, if you're, if you're a younger listener, uh, do a little Alva Reed Google. Um, he was, he was quite the character. Uh, uh, some listeners may know him from, you know, Gladiator, right? It was his last role.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know, um, I know him from Curse of the Werewolf. That's like the first time I've seen that's it. That's
1: right. Yeah. Curse of the Werewolf, which we covered many yeah. moons ago right here on the podcast. We did. Uh, an excellent film. But, <laughs> of course, as I'm watching this, Mike, I'm wondering, like, I wonder what Oliver was doing in between
0: takes. And, oh, yeah.
1: You know, on the nights nights off or whatever, and, you know, when the shooting day was over. Like, you know, I wonder what he was up to.
0: <laughs> He's a notorious uh, wild man, definitely.
1: Oh, yeah. Um... But it's interesting. I like him and Karen Black as a couple. I think Karen Black looks really cute in this movie
0: to me. I've always loved Karen Black. She's always been one of my favorites. She has this this beautiful this, – her face, right? Just
1: like beautiful face and like eyes. And even when she like gets all kind of like sloppy and weird and crazy and like some of these other roles, it's like to me I always felt like her beauty always just kind of shone through, you know?
0: Yeah, and she has like a very unique look too,
1: you know, and that that's what I like yeah yeah like look i honestly would say she's probably a a more conventionally attractive than beatrice doll but they what they have in common is that no one looks like them you know what i'm saying like they have this singular look to them that's like their own shit, and it kind of makes them more attractive in a way
0: i agree with that completely right yeah
1: um but i also think she's a good actress and, and you know made cool movies and she's just like to me like a 70s horror like female 70s horror icon in a way you know um but yeah things start to go awry uh in the pool because again i got those shining vibes this takes place before the shining uh mr dad uh ben is thrashing his young son about in the pool and trying
0: to drown him. It is a very uncomfortable scene. No? It seemed very real, too, you know, and it's, like, effective. And because, oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, because I like Davy so much, I didn't like that he was getting roughed up by his dad, you know? See, that's the thing. The other thing is this. I almost feel like
1: since this was the mid-70s and movies were a bit Wild westy, I almost feel like was he really dunking him like that at times like it (laughs) it sure looks like it's happening is no like that shit looked like it was happening
0: very well could be that's what i'm saying (laughs) you know
1: i mean for fuck's sake i hope they had some kind of double for davy which look they probably did but it looks super legit like right yeah um so and you know Betty Davis is yelling to leave the kid alone and this and that and the, the mother is you know she's where she kind of kind of tonic in the house at this point again, right
0: yeah the mother is yeah
1: and it's just a real uncomfortable scene and then the the son uh Davy just grabs a like a snorkel mask that's in the pool and bashes his dad right in the face again, which also looks very real no
0: they were wild times man the seventies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they did things for real in the 70s and movies. Nothing was fake, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, great scene. And honestly, it's it's uh, the decay of the family, Mike Hill. That's kind of really what this movie is about. Similar to The Shining, in a way. It's a kind of about the decay of the nuclear family. And I, I was also reading somewhere that it's about like, consu- like con- the negative effects of consumerism the family is kind of so harping on this house and this house and how great it is and it's like a status thing but there's there's a dark side to consumerism
0: do you do you feel that in this movie you know um you know i gotta be honest with you man i i didn't get on get into that like i read that that's mm-hmm. kind of like before yeah. mm-hmm. but to me it was just like a um, you know ghost story uh possession story
2: You know, right.
0: And I didn't I didn't the political aspects of it. I didn't really uh, you know, that didn't uh, hit me so much in my viewings of it. But I know that people often go to that and that, you know, it seems legit to me. But I I didn't really feel that.
1: Yeah, like apparently it it was uh, like about the negative effects of the middle class life and consumerism. And, you know, I, I don't know. Some of the I get some of that. Some that's maybe a little stretchy. Uh, like like you said, it could just be, well, a ghost story. You know what I'm saying? A possession story that doesn't have some of these kind of socio-political undercurrents to it. Uh, but I do like the whole decay of the nuclear family thing, though. I do like that, which kind of lines up with kind of mid-late 70s morose darkness that was permeating in a lot of horror films, Mike. No?
0: Yeah, definitely. That's what I picked up on is how just, uh, you know, the family itself, you know, if you think about back to the fifties, you know, the, the family, the nuclear family was like a solid American, you know, kind of institution. Mm-hmm. Right. And then after the sixties, things really started changing in the seventies and the eighties, you know, yeah, things started changing even more. And I think this is kind of a, um, you know, maybe like a viewport into like just the madness of that too. You know, yeah,
1: like it's, it's a reflection of that. I mean, look, uh, in the 70s, a divorce explodes in America. Right. And and families. Well, I, I would gather quite a few families were, for lack of a better word, uh, decimated uh, to a degree. So, yeah, that that, that definitely uh, hits the film world and not even just horror in drama. You know what I'm saying? Um, so. You know, it's funny that I, I bet back then no one was really thinking of it. But, you know, years later, when people write books about movies and, and, and genres and and, you know, time capsules, it, it's always interesting to see what people come up with. So, yeah, it, it's to me, it just makes for it makes the movie have a little more meat to it. If you think of it in those terms, other than it's
0: just a cheesy 70s horror movie. Yeah, there's definitely nothing cheesy about this movie, though. Right? It's very atmospheric, you know yeah no like look
1: some may think it is uh i don't you and i don't uh but you know not everyone could kind of wrap their head around these things which is fine uh before we started taping i i actually said to mike i said uh, as i was watching it the, uh, yesterday i watched it uh you know very fresh for the show again i said you know i was getting phantasm vibes from this movie and there was a reason for that. It's because the the grounds where this is filmed and, and the house is the house in phantasm that, you know, you know like the funeral home house, like the exterior, Th- that's what this is. It's called the Dunsameer house in Oakland, California, which is where both films
0: were shot. So my instincts were right on the money, Mike. Yeah. Phantasm is one of my favorites, man. And, you know, that. The first one you know i mean some some of the sequels start getting crazy but the first one i think is a classic
1: um and
0: again going going back to some more
1: subtext phantasm also like i said in our review of that has a lot to do with kind of the breakdown of the family um there are no adults and it's just you know a, a lot of this kind of 70s darkness that kind of strings some of these films together you know absolutely yeah um so as the movie rolls on the house's kind of sinister vibe is is really palatable
0: and and more fucked up shit starts happening right and there's a mystery as to the elderly mother and why no one's seen her and uh the mystery Mm. starts to unfold as the movie goes along too
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, Karen Black's character, the mother, refuses to let anybody else, her husband, her son, the uh, the aunt played by Betty Davis, go anywhere near the room where Miss Allardyce is staying. And you can't go up there. Only she can. And she's always sleeping, Mrs. Allardyce, right? Uh, Allardyce. She's always asleep. You can't disturb her. She's sleeping. She's sleeping. Nobody sleeps more than this woman, Mike. I mean, you know. Um, But if you're really paying attention, you could see like Karen Black is kind of full of shit. Like she's like you could tell she's kind of not being truthful at all with anyone who asked her about seeing Mrs. Allardyce. And it's, you know, she has a bit of the crazy eyes and she's slowly becoming possessed,
0: you know, by the house. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And um, there's another image in here that is the one image that I When i think of this movie because i saw it when i was a kid i remember it really terrified me and it stayed with me when i think of burnt offerings i always think of the one image of the the ghostly chauffeur oh my god yes again reminds me a bit of the tall man straight up no definitely the tall man vibes he is this extremely
1: tall actor uh i gotta see if we can get his name uh anthony james uh is his name known as the hearse driver uh american character actor who actually passed in uh, may 26 2020 he has this creepy face
0: and an extremely creepy
1: smile right
0: yeah it terrified me when i was a kid and you know i couldn't sleep i think after watching this movie because of that face man
1: uh of note uh
0: Anthony James, also
1: known as James Anthony, appeared in Poison's 1988 music video for the song Fallen Angel, Uh, retired from acting in the early 90s with his final role uh, in Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven in 1992. He had a role in that film. How about that? Interesting. Yeah. uh, I I want to rewatch that movie. I actually really like that movie. He plays Skinny Dubois in Unforgiven from 1992 excellent clint Eastern western um but yeah he'll scare the pants off you listeners uh
0: the hearse driver I I think he will no he scared me and he still made me uncomfortable even watching him as an adult man too yeah because there's close-ups of that smile that are like okay you could you could you could you know, go
1: to another scene now you know <laughs> it lingers on him right it's like uh I'm uncomfortable thank you so much Dan Curtis um but those are flashbacks that Oliver Reed has
0: right yeah. as a young man so what what we have here is this new family taking on like the mantle of like the former inhabitants of the uh the mansion you know and once again very much shining you know yeah
1: yeah um and also of note, uh Burgess Meredith and Eileen uh, Heckard, the the brother and sister, they're gone. They're not in the rest of the movie. When they arrive at the house on July 1st to officially move in for the summer or whatever, they're left a note by them. And we never see them again, which is kind of cool, actually,
0: right? Yeah, it is, definitely. Though I did want to see Burgess Meredith again, but, you know.
1: I did. I did. He's just – he's so creepy in this movie. Like, uh, Burgess Meredith – when he does this kind of you know, dark horror, weird 70s stuff. Kind of he's fucking awesome. I wish there was like a lot more of that out there. Um, ever look at his IMDB. He's in like a billion things throughout his life, like like a, an astounding number of films he did, you know, lived a really, you know, long full life uh in acting. Um, but everyone knows him for Rocky, you know, Mickey, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a massive film, you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I mean uh sadly, uh Betty Davis's uh aunt character uh passes. Uh she's stricken by what, with first like a heart attack or something?
0: Just bad health.
1: <laughs> well, no no. I mean in the movie like something happens to her. Oh, yeah, I'm
0: sorry about that. She's uh bedridden.
1: <laughs> no no, she's like bedridden. And then she kind of stays you know in the bed and then she falls ill and then dies and and, you know they have a you know a funeral for her or whatever but honestly all throughout all of this like while alva reed has unraveled several several times the the real unraveling if you're paying attention is marianne played by karen black um and i don't know i kind of I saw it many years ago, but I kind of forgot it. But I I kind of was adding it all up as, you know, as to what the kind of outcome would be regarding the old Miss Allardis and her. Did you did you kind of figure that out as well?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I because I like I said, I'd seen this film when I was a kid and I kind of forgot some of the plot points. But I was like, you know, somewhere along the line, I was like, yeah, this is uh, possession. And we're going to get a scene with her at the end, you know, where she's full on Mrs. Allardis yeah
1: and by the way that scene holy shit another fucked up facial close-up that f- that fucked me up at 49 years old michael she's good like that
0: man you know remember trilogy of terror You know. yes like-
1: yes i mean for a beautiful woman when she wants to scare you she can really scare you uh karen black the, the, the crazy the crazy face crazy eyes uh goes very far in uh, with her uh yeah and and there's like some weird kind of thing they do with her eyes and then like makeup but it's just like so much is done with so little no
0: yeah i mean a lot of it's just her, her expressive face that she has you know just that, that you can't you know that that's just really she has an intense face similar to Peter style peter's dolls yeah kind of exactly
1: yeah peter style it, it she's like she's kind of the, the modern karen black in a way or you know I I bet you she would take that as a compliment, honestly. Um, The thing is this. The the one thing that was a a bit of a letdown was not a lot is really explained per se in this movie. Um, And it's interesting how the title, Burnt Offerings, right? Well, there actually are no actual burnt offerings in this movie. But at its conclusion, you you kind of realize that there are what the burnt offerings actually really are, and it is, well, sadly, the the sacrifice uh of her family of Alva Reed and her young son uh in the name of the house and in the name
0: of Mrs. Allardyce, huh? Yeah. That that uh, you could look at it that way. You know what I mean? That's yeah, like, The a sacrifice, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's you know.
1: Um Again, I, like I'm wondering if, if I don't know. I feel like this this movie and its kind of like backstory. It, it, like it has reached. I feel like in in certain indie, like modern indie horror. You know what I mean? As far as that that aspect of it goes, about how the whole having to sacrifice uh, or kill your family in order to you know what I'm saying to, to live and survive and, and, and be reborn. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You know, this definitely uh I could see this reaching into uh the current um crop of films that are being made. Yeah, by, I
1: feel like know. there's a lot of like there's like a lot of that. Like you could you could say the Ari Aster all of Ari Aster's movies,
0: no? Like there's uh, some of that there. Or well, am I reaching? Well, I'm glad you said that because I couldn't think of his name. Uh when that, when that Oh, was, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah, struggling yeah. to think of <laughs> Ari Aster, but yeah, that that's exactly what his his whole trip is, if you ask me. Mm, I
1: I would not be surprised if if he digs uh, burnt offerings right i mean you know I, I hope this movie is influential uh in the modern day because I, I think it definitely deserves to be seen um i know this movie is quite old uh and and we we've given away quite a bit uh but i guess we're okay with kind of giving away the the, the very end huh
0: yeah cuz there's there's another thing that sort of ties it back into the shining, you know, like another very shining-esque uh final moments in this film.
1: Mhm.
0: You know, where uh we it's revealed that Karen mm-hmm. Black's character is uh, Marianne is in fact uh Mrs. Allardyce, and she creepily says, "I've been waiting for you, Ben," when Ben w- walks in on her. Yeah. Now they're all getting ready to make their escape though from the from the place. They're like, "We had enough of this place. We're all getting out of here. Let's go get your mother." You know, the Mm-hmm. Davy's out in the car, and you know Davy looks up and he sees the you know um, the, what the fuck's his name Ben <laughs> Ben yeah, careering out of the window, and uh, and then Davy is killed by the um, collapsing chimney of the building.
1: Yes, yes. Um, the interesting thing again, parallel to The Shining, is that uh, you know our, our writer character uh Oliver Reed you know does not make it out alive he actually commits suicide once it is revealed uh that his wife has basically become this you know ghost demonic entity so to speak Mrs Allardyce uh and that you know the the second sacrifice is you know the young son where you know piece of the building like the chimney you know crushes him to death super 70s ending uh you know bummer city uh and and then we we hear uh the voices of the brother and sister burgess meredith and eileen heckart uh
0: we hear their voices for a final time right yes they're uh they're celebrating the return of their mother and then they pan over a photo collection Mm -hmm. and then in the in the portraits we see ben davy and aunt elizabeth
1: yes as the uh the offerings so to speak uh and then you know you, you put two and two together and you realize that all those shit tons of photos that were sitting in the house are probably all the dead people who've tried to come to the house throughout the, all all the people they've kind of killed obviously right yeah. Mike
0: yeah definitely yeah yeah
1: um again I mean just it's it's so much with so little I feel like uh even though look it was a two million dollar budget like it, 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 the special effects are minimal you know um it's not like star wars 70s it's not like some alien sprawling uh you know effects thing but i think the scares here are legit and i think it's a good story and yeah i'm very compelled to read this book apparently there's a whole beginning scene that's uh, omitted from the film the beginning of the film like a bit more of a backstory on the family and uh apparently at the end of the book uh Ben and davy do not die so uh yeah i'd like to see where the, i'd like to see where the book goes
0: I believe it is in print so mm. that sounds interesting man I think I'll probably check that out eventually too yeah definitely
1: um but like I said earlier in the podcast uh, the movie actually didn't do that well um and you know it kind of it was you know panned and roger ebert didn't wasn't really too into it and you know uh, a lot of reviews of the day were kind of lackluster and you know th- they would compare it to like you know it, it's not as good as the omen or rosemary's baby like they would kind of point out the more superior films you know what I'm saying uh, of the supernatural canon of its time and be like you know and eh, this kind of falls flat but much like most things in life uh it became looked upon way more fondly as time passed like it, it got rosemary's baby and exorcist comparisons and you know Roger Ebert was like that it you know it's not as good as those films and it's not even as good as the legend of hell house which is another great uh 70s film which we have covered on the show right mike that's right back in the day yes back in the day but again i
0: don't know i completely disagree uh, i actually think this is a, an excellent 70s horror film no it's it's definitely one of one of my uh, top out of that era i mean a lot of great movies came out but i would i would put them up in in that you know maybe a top 20 you know yeah yeah and look dan curtis actually didn't direct
1: a lot of movies Uh, he did the house of dark shadows movie and the night of dark shadows movie which were theatrical films from 1970 and 71. Uh, and then he did the tv movie the night stalker and then there's there's this movie uh, as far as his theatrical goes of course he created uh dark shadows the tv show and directed a a chunk of, of the early episodes of those um i don't know i i kind of like everything that he's kind of put his hand on over the years you know throughout his career yeah you know, dark shadows is definitely a um classic in television you know oh yeah it's like a game changer um what would you give burnt offerings on our scale of one to five? I give it a solid four out of five, man, for sure. Okay. I would go a little higher. I gave it a 4.5 out of five. Oh, okay. Uh, really dug this one, clicked a lot of the boxes for me. Um, you know, 70s horror is kind of my thing, as it should be all of your thing, listeners. Um, <laughs> but I know it isn't for everybody. Uh Yeah. I don't know i just think that a lot of these movies are aging very well for me so yeah i'm a bit of a mark for this stuff as i said uh, as i've gotten older i've gotten very into the horror of the 70s uh some of it is for nostalgic reasons but I, quite honestly uh i almost feel like a lot of these are first viewings because i don't remember uh a lot of the movies i saw as a kid unless i mean you know from a certain age onward you know like i almost feel like some of these like i said are first time viewings
0: yeah no definitely yeah for some you know for some people definitely totally totally um
1: yeah want to check out the book i uh i I always get in my head that i i want to do like these huge you know dark shadows tv episode deep dives but uh Shit always happens because there's always so much shit to watch i do own uh the two films uh house of dark shadows and uh night of dark shadows on blu-ray those would be interesting to cover at some point the standalone movies
0: yeah no i'm down with that for sure
1: yeah yeah those are great or uh you know the, the Kolchak movie the night strangler which kind of begat the series which was uh the, the tv movie from 73 uh, it begats. It begats the Night Stalker series.
0: So yeah, great shit. So that's it, man. That was a good episode, I thought. Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I don't know. So we're in June, and uh,
0: my socks have not been knocked off with twenty twenty three horror, Michael. They have not been knocked off. I agree. I'm str- I'm struggling. A lot of movies have come out, but nothing's really grabbed me so far.
1: I mean, look, got a whole half a year left, right? A lot could happen, and uh, <laughs> maybe the horror gods are saving stuff for the for later in the summer, and the fall. I don't know, but uh, again, listeners, if there's something, if there's a brand new flick that you're surprised we haven't covered, or that you think we should cover, please let us know on Instagram or Facebook or uh, through the hotline, because. Uh, I feel like 2023
0: is not 2022. Hmm. I agree. I agree. Could be be wrong, though. Whole half a year left. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care now. Take care, everybody.
1: Cheers. (laughs)
3: you don't understand is where everything's leading, when all of the signs you see still point to overload. As you reach out your hand, a shattered picture is